Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Remember, if you're just heading into work or otherwise have to step away from the radio, you don't have to miss today's edition of Detroit Today. You can go to iTunes or wherever it is you download podcasts. If you download and subscribe to Detroit Today, you can take us with you and listen to us wherever or whenever you are ready. Today is the last day that cities can place their bids as the location for Amazon's second headquarters. You may have heard that Detroit and Dan Gilbert specifically, we're making a real push to bring Amazon right here to southeast Michigan, luring the company with massive swaths of land in the city, Pontiac and Sterling Heights. But Detroit is, of course, not the only city with a vested interest in trying to get Amazon to locate a massive hub in its borders. Cities large and small throughout the country are making their case, and sometimes that case is looking a little desperate or maybe even a little pathetic. One mayor bought a 1,000 products on Amazon and wrote reviews of the products on the site. The city of Tucson delivered a 21-foot cactus to Amazon. Why? It's hard to say other than that everyone wants to win the affection of the mega company and the 50,000 jobs it promises to bring to whichever community is chosen. That's an immense concentration of job and economic activity that will arrive in the winning city. But with one winner, there are going to be, of course, lots of losers. And as the tech industry and online retailers boom, it seems that there are more and more loser communities whose industries are downgraded, whose jobs are disappearing, and whose hope for opportunity looks a lot different today than it did 10 or 15, and certainly more uh, more so than it did 30 or 40 years ago. I want to start the conversation here today with the idea of Amazon and trying to lure Amazon. And I want to start specifically with this idea of winners and losers. Uh, There are some folks who say that this is the new reality in America, that there are winner places, places that are attracting uh, jobs and economic activity in the knowledge economy. And there are losers, places that are losing jobs because they haven't adapted to that knowledge economy and that they can't convince people uh, like Amazon to come and be at home in their cities. There's also a theory that this is a cycle that feeds on itself, that the winners, because they are winners, tend to pile up those wins and that there's a momentum that gets uh, behind their backs that makes them even bigger winners while losers uh, have the opposite effect, that uh, they, they lose more often and that the fact that they are considered losers prevents them from being even at the table when things are discussed. Joining me right now to help flesh that part of this argument out is Alec McGillis. He's a reporter who covers politics and government for ProPublica. Uh, he has been talking a lot and writing some about this phenomenon lately. Alec, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Steve. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I asked you to, to be part of this conversation today and to help kick it off because of a speech that I, of course, heard you give last month in Ann Arbor uh, where you were talking about the, the, the profound inequalities that have grown up in America and the effect that they had 
on the 2016 presidential election. But as sort of a subset of that, you talked a little bit about this idea of winner cities and loser cities, uh, places that are attracting jobs and economic growth and places that are losing it. And that the net effect of that uh, sort of dichotomy is more profound right now in America and getting worse because the winners keep winning and attracting more growth and the losers, of course, keep losing. Uh, Talk about how Amazon fits into that narrative. Well, they very much fit into it um, in a very basic way. We, retail money used to be spread all around the country. Uh, we used to have all sorts of different kinds of retail, you know, from big down to small. You'd have um, small mom-and-pop stores. Then you'd have sort of regional chains, kind of like your, think of your Meyer store chains. And then you, of course, would have even bigger chains over that, um, your Sears, Sears and, and all that. More and more now, we have retail money. Uh, all the you know revenue that's sort of uh, made in this this one industry flowing increasingly to this one company. Um, that one company is Amazon, and it, it is located in one city uh, today. It's in it's in Seattle, and and it's a huge reason why Seattle has become so insanely uh, wealthy, and um, and why the real estate there has gotten so insanely expensive is because you have this one company that is essentially kind of sucking all this retail money to this one place. Um, in Seattle, Amazon now has, it's incredible, Amazon has 20% of the office space in Seattle is Amazon's, that there's no other city in the country where you have one company so dominating the office space. They have 24 coffee shops uh, on the Amazon campus there. That's how huge it is. Um, they've even, they have so much money that they don't know what to do with it, do it that they've built a couple bio, biospheres uh, right there on the Amazon campus. So, just since one industry, you have all this money going to this one place, and it's 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 really not healthy. Um, you do, of course, have Amazon does now have uh, distribution distribution centers, fulfillment centers, as they're called around the country, that employ a whole lot of people. Um, but those jobs are um, they're also quite concentrated. They're only you know they're only where those fulfillment centers are, and so even in a state like say Ohio, um, where you have retail that's been really hit hard by the rise of online retail and Amazon. Retail that's been hit hard all around the state, malls closing all around the state. The fulfillment centers are only in a couple places, and they tend to be closer to, say, Columbus, closer to the bigger, better-off city, closer to the main airport. Um, so even in that sense, the, the warehouses are not making up that much for this this huge loss of job and, and sort of jobs and prosperity that is caused by this major shift in retail. Yeah. Uh, and and the geographic effect of that is I think what we're witnessing right now uh, with this with this competition to try to get Amazon to bless some other city in the country with with its presence. I mean, uh, the the desperation that is playing out in places like Tucson or the the city where the mayor uh, bought uh, all about a thousand products off Amazon and wrote reviews uh, on the site. I mean, the, the, there is this real dichotomy uh, that, that that exists in the in the country right now, but between places that are winning and how much they're winning, exactly. and places that are losing and how often they lose. Right. The gap 
the gap has just gotten a lot bigger. We've always had uh, wealthier and less wealthy cities in this country, but if you just look at the numbers uh, in terms of median income, the gap has gotten way bigger in the last couple decades between the New York's, Washington, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston uh, level of cities and and uh, and sort of all uh, all the others, um, the, the, the sort of median city. That gap has gotten way bigger. Um, the the and a lot of those. What's what's especially kind of damaging about that is that, in, in sort of political terms, is that most of those winner cities, winner take all cities, rich get richer cities, are located on the coasts. Uh, back in the day, back in the 60s, it's kind of extraordinary that the top 20 wealthiest cities in this country included Des Moines, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Rockford, Illinois, um, and those cities are no longer on that on that top 20 list. Of course, the so you, you do have this kind of rich get richer effect where companies that are looking for places to move to are now increasingly looking to places where um, where they think they can get top talent, where, where top executive talent will want to live, even if it means that those places are going to cost the company and their employees more to live in, they're going to want to go to those winter places. So you just saw uh, GE deciding to move its headquarters to Boston, even though Boston's a very expensive town. Um, Caterpillar is moving, to Peoria, uh, moving from Peoria to Chicago. Aetna is moving from Hartford to New York. It's just this sort of snowball effect, a rich-get-richer effect, and then along comes Amazon, and Amazon's now uh, announcing, you know, that they're going to look for a second headquarters. Which, on the one hand, you think, well, at least they're going to you're, you're going to share the wealth a little bit from Seattle, so it's no longer all going to be in Seattle. So, I guess in some way that's a good thing. But of course, it only goes so far. They're going to now create a second winner-take-all city that is just going to have this immense sort of outsized windfall of 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 jobs and investment based on this one decision by this one company, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Alec McGillis. He's a reporter who covers politics and government for ProPublica, an old friend of mine from the Baltimore Sun newsroom, where we were both young journalists about 15 or 20 years ago. We are talking about Amazon and the sweepstakes underway among American cities to try to land Amazon's second headquarters. It says, in addition to being uh, stationed in Seattle, it will choose another city where it will bring 50,000 jobs. Of course, this has set off quite the competition uh, among cities, including Detroit, which uh, we have uh, seen ourselves get caught up in this race with Dan Gilbert taking the helm and making the case to Amazon that Southeast Michigan is the place that they ought to relocate. Uh, we're talking about this phenomenon of loser and winner cities, the, con- the considerable aggregation that has taken place among wealthy cities uh, for big companies and uh, wealthy residents and the sort of corollary uh, to that, which is that there are loser cities, loser cities that are uh, letting loose of retail and economic growth, letting loose of residents and wealth, uh, and the sort of exacerbating effect of something like Amazon, as large as it is, as wealthy as it is, uh, doing what it's doing and, and deigning to sort of name another city as a winner. What do you think about this whole process? What do you think about our bid 
here in Southeast Michigan to try to get Amazon to come here. Uh, what do you think about the phenomenon of wealth aggregation around the country? If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET uh, Facebook page and put your comments there. Or if you go to Twitter, you can hashtag us and we will try to work you into the conversation. Uh, let's go to Tim in Detroit. Tim, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, hi, hey, uh, gentlemen. Listen, um, it's really uh, ironic that with the internet leveling the pay- playing field worldwide, really Amazon is doing something that any person with a computer can do. Most people don't know Amazon. They don't make anything. They <laughs> right. sell other people's stuff. Yes. But they have a name, and we get into this mindset that they're the company to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tim, that's a great point. Um, and thanks for calling and making that. Alec, uh, th- this, this goes to some of what you're talking about, which is the way that that market has changed. Once upon a time, you had to deal with a local retailer to get the kind of things that Amazon sold. Uh, now it can all be aggregated uh, sort of at the top in this in this sort of cyber world, uh, and one one place can be in control of everything. Right. Um, but but uh, Colin makes a good point that you'd think that it could just as easily have gone the other way, that somehow we, we had hoped that the Internet was going to allow us to, to have things kind of spread out. Mm-hmm. That, uh, and, and, and spread out also in terms of sort of where we lived and worked, that because we could all be connected anywhere, that it would be possible for us to just, you could just go to, you know, any place you wanted to, any place you had family at or, or that you disliked for whatever reason, and, and kind of set up shop there as a person and as a worker and be connected, and, and that it would sort of spread things out. We no longer would have this, these kind of concentrations of, of, of wealth and income. Yeah. But in fact, just the opposite has happened, that there's been this kind of, um, I mean, one of the words, terms for it is kind of a, it's kind of a network effect where um, you are kind of a clustering effect where in fact, there's now deemed to be even more reason for us, for you to be in one place with, with the other um, successful people because you actually feel like you need to be around them to to sort of get in on, on, on the business, get in on the deals that are happening. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's really, it's not, it's not turning out, and it's not having that leveling effect, and it's, it's a real problem. You have, I mean, in the case of Amazon, you have a company that has expressly, um, or all but expressly, made clear that they plan to take over the world in terms of world retail, and, and they are on their way toward doing so. Uh, uh, thank you very much again for that call. Let's go to Dan on Woodward. Dan, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, hi. Um, hey, yeah, I think uh, Amazon already knows where they're going to go. They're just using this as leverage to get tax incentives from the city and the state. Uh, and my guess would be that they're going to Austin, Texas, because that's where Whole Foods is headquarters. And, and um, <laughs> I think they have much bigger plans for Whole Foods than we realize. Uh, which kind of dovetails to what you're talking about. They're probably going to take over the grocery sector, too. You know, I think stores like uh, Kroger's and, uh, you know, uh, Savon, they're going to be in trouble, too. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, Dan, thanks very much for the call and the questions. I, I, I hear a lot of people, Alex, say that this might be an elaborate ruse, that, that Jeff Bezos knows where he wants to go, uh, but that there's something sort of attractive about running a contest this way, getting people all worked up 
about his his brand. Uh, do do you put much stock in that theory? Oh, I think it's quite possible. I mean, undoubtedly, they have they already have an idea of at least their their top choices. I mean, they've surely been thinking about this for a while, and 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 if and we also know that they have a long history of of um, sort of shaking down cities for incentives, even just for when it comes to setting up finding locations for these warehouses for the warehouses. fulfillment centers. Sure. They they're they're already very good at squeezing incentives out of places for those for those decisions. Even you know going back even further, they have they were very good at avoiding state uh, state taxes altogether um, by by um, sort of I mean really kind of brazenly just avoiding sales taxes um, at, at the state and local level. But if they, if it, if this is just kind of a, a ruse like that, it really is quite. It's, it's quite deeply cynical yeah. if you think about it, because not only are they, you know, getting all these places to to offer up these these huge incentives, but they're they're also just um, wasting a lot of people's time. I mean, what's going on in cities like you know, like the one I live in, Baltimore, which is also just putting tons of effort into their bid, is that you have the city, the top leaders in these cities that have a lot of other things to deal with, a lot of other things to worry about, are working literally around the clock. Um, on their proposals, and it's completely uh, diverted them from the other things that they need to be dealing with in, the, in these places. Yeah. And it's 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 really quite um, quite depressing to watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to John in Windsor. John, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning. Hey, Great John. show. Love listening to you guys. Thanks. Um, wanted to weigh in. I think that the Detroit Windsor bid has a lot of legs because Canada is a huge market for Amazon and Whole Foods. Sure. So if I was Jeff, I'd be looking, hmm, that's a really interesting opportunity for me. Two, cannabis, this is an interesting thing, cannabis is going to be legalized recreational next year. Ontario government has said that online will be a major portion of their sales. Who better than Amazon to handle online sales for a product like this? That's about the sweetest deal you could offer any company. (laughs) John, John, I appreciate your thinking there, and uh, I appreciate uh, the call. Uh, Alec, talk about the things that, that Amazon might be looking at when when these cities cities are competing, what are the things that would, would that would stand out? I mean, as Jan, as John points out, we've got an international border here. Uh, there there are some appeals I, I would imagine that would go along with that. Uh, Some place like St. Louis is in the middle of the country. Uh, maybe that's a a, uh, a a plus for something like this. Do we have any idea what Amazon really wants here? To me, the big question is how much. Bezos decides to prioritize, um, basically, there's two different, to me, two different main factors. One is going somewhere, going to a city that is already seen as successful enough of a city that a lot of your highly skilled, highly educated um, engineer types are going to want to go work there and raise their families in and are going to see it as a place that, you know, has lots of amenities where they can go mountain bike riding on the weekend mm-hmm. and and maybe even have uh you know a coastline nearby and and be appealing in that kind of a, a winter city kind of way and that would you know that would prioritize cities like you know a Boston or maybe a Washington DC or maybe an Austin or a Denver mm-hmm. versus versus on the other pole wanting to make to choose a city that would have a little bit more have more sort of what I would think of as kind of a political appeal, where this, the company 
which knows that there, there's that we have this winner-take-all city problem, knows that it's become sort of a political problem for the country, chooses to go somewhere where it is seen as lifting up a place that has been has been left behind somewhat, and giving a big boost to somewhere that could use a boost, and that would point you toward a a St. Louis, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. or um, or Detroit or Baltimore, um, and. And so I think that's 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 a big fault line right there. Sort of how how much how much does Jeff Bezos care about making a statement like that, where you're giving a boost to a place that could really use it, versus a more expedient decision just to go somewhere where your um, where your employees are are really going to want to uh, going to be you know happy to gravitate toward. Yeah, uh, if Amazon chooses a quote unquote loser city, as you point out, it almost automatically becomes. A winter city, at least in in some regard, does that then change some of the dynamic uh, overall that we're seeing this this trend toward winners and losers, this aggregation of wealth and economic activity in in certain places? Does it does it sort of turn the bus around and say, well, maybe maybe we can do this in a more sort of egalitarian way? Well, I'm afraid not, because it would it, it will really just help that one place. Um, it would, so if, you know, if Baltimore were to get it, you know, hooray, and, and then what we're still left with, so then Baltimore over time inches up that, that list of, of median income, and, but you still have um, all these other places, uh, you know, all the St. Louis's are still, are still, really, are still really struggling. I mean, what it's really going to take to address this problem, I, I believe, is when it comes down to it, is a rethinking of antitrust in this country mm-hmm. and the fact is that um, you know, that Amazon is just getting huge in a way that that really raises questions about about monopoly and antitrust. And, and of course, Amazon has not had to deal with this until now because our, the way we think of, of monopoly in this country is that is that basically it's okay unless you start raising prices. Mm-hmm. And and Amazon's whole shtick, of course, is that they have low prices and and that they're good for the consumer. And so, and the way we think about antitrust is that, well, okay, well, in that case, it's all okay, as long as it's okay for the consumer. But we need to start rethinking that and thinking about all the ways that this kind of monopoly and, and bigness are, in fact, unhealthy for the country, even if technically they're okay for the consumer. Yeah. Okay, Alec McGillis, a uh, reporter, covers politics and government for ProPublica. Thanks very much for being here. On well, it's great. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, we'll talk with you soon. Up next, we'll talk about what a company like Amazon looks for when it is expanding. We're going to continue the conversation with Robin Boyle, professor of urban planning at Wayne State University, and Ron Starner, executive vice president of Conway and writer for Site Selection Magazine. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones, 313-577-1019. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. News, music, culture, and community. Every day. Every day. Every day. On 1019 WDET. Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking about the Amazon Sweepstakes, a national contest among cities to try to convince 
the giant online retailer, that they are the right spot for Amazon's second headquarters. What you win if Amazon chooses you is 50,000 jobs and an unbelievable amount of economic activity. And no surprise, that has got a lot of people on the line trying to make sure that they are getting some sort of attention from Amazon. And that includes us here right in Southeast Michigan. Dan Gilbert of Quicken Loans is heading up the effort to make the case that Detroit and this region are the right spot for Amazon. But what does this tell us about uh, our culture right now? What does it tell us about economics in this city right now. What does it tell us about the difference between winner cities and loser cities, something we were just talking about in the first segment with Alec McGillis of ProPublica? We want to change the subject just a little bit now, expand it on the local level. Uh, Joining us is Robin Boyle. He's a professor of urban planning at Wayne State University. We're also joined by Ron Starner, who is executive vice president of Conway and a writer for Site Selection Magazine. Ron and Robin, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, hi, Stephen. Good to have you back. Yeah. yeah. Good, good morning. Thanks for having me. Sure. Uh, Robin, let's, let's start with you. Let's, let's talk about the wisdom, I guess, of the effort that's being put into these bids to get Amazon. Let's talk about it generally, but let's also talk about it here in Detroit. Is this a smart play for us uh, to, 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 to expend the amount of energy that we are to, to try to get Jeff Bezos to, to crown us as his second home? We have no option, uh, to be honest. Uh, this is a process that has sucked everybody into this particular pipeline, and um, not to compete would be dumb. Yeah. However, I would say, thank God, it's the 19th of October. We can draw <laughs> a line on this um, charade. Because um, we've talked a lot about it, and you have, and um, it's about time we got back to what we got to do, which is change our economy. Yeah, and you don't see this as a game changer. In in, in other words, if we did win, would it would it solve some of the problems that you and I have talked about that that uh, many times over the years that we have here in Southeast Michigan in terms of uh, investment in education, investment in infrastructure changing the reliance that we have on on manufacturing. Uh, you don't think that, that landing something like Amazon accelerates us uh, down the path to solving those things? Well, let me give both sides of the story. On the one hand, that possibility of capturing 50,000 jobs is incredibly attractive. And would that stimulate demand across the economy? Hell yes. yes. It would be incredibly powerful. But it really doesn't change the dynamic. And that dynamic is that we have been focused. We have been, we picked a winner 100 years ago and it's been wonderful. Yes. But for the past 35, 40 years, it's been going in the other direction. And my biggest concern about the Amazon chase has been that we're almost going back 40 years because we see the cavalry over the hill and we can say, if we can just get them here, we can solve our problems. It's that if I can mix my cliches again, it's <laughs> that um, silver bullet. Yeah. And this, the, the Amazonian search is, is this next level of silver bullet. When in reality, I would argue that Southeast Michigan, Michigan as a whole, Dan Gilbert, what has been happening here in the past, let's say, seven, eight years has been truly 
a game changer. Mm-hmm. We have begun to see diversity. We've begun to see people thinking, you know, we can do different things here. We can be tech. We can be retail. We can be manufacturing. We can be a lot of things. By rushing down one road, as as your previous uh Discussant said, you know, mm-hmm. was, was really about, you know, we're going to be at the center of the game change of retail. Okay, but what about all the other sectors right. that we want to be looking at? And, and I do praise Dan Gilbert for what he has done in bringing business into his buildings. Mm-hmm. That has mm-hmm. been truly impactful for this area, as you know. I mean, you live down there. Sure. You see it on a daily basis. Yes. And and this rush to uh, to, to Amazon, in my opinion, has a, has turned us away from what we've been doing, which is seeking uh, this new ecosystem. It's a horrible term, but you know, you know what it is. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'd like to get back to that tomorrow on October the 20th, <laughs> right. if we could, please. When this is all over. When this is done. <laughs> right. Uh, Ron Starner, uh, Robin Boyle just said something there that I want to get you to react to. He said, um, we picked a winner 100 years ago. Uh, and it has paid out for us uh, pretty tremendously for, for most of that time. I, I think there's no question that the auto industry is not today what it used to be. It's not in the future going to be what it was 20 or 30 years ago. But if you had to pick something and ride it, uh, that it's, it sure was not a bad choice. Uh, but But I'm thinking of the difference between something like that happen, which happening, which sort of grew up organically here and and some by accident, some by coincidence. Uh, And this climate where we're not choosing a winner, we're trying to get a winner to choose us. Uh, Have we ever seen anything like this in America before? That is a great question. And and actually, I would have to say no. Uh, We've been looking at this site selection project uh, pretty closely now for the past two months, and uh, we, we've gone through our records, our, our past issues of Site Selection Magazine. We, we really don't see another headquarters site search that compares with this. Yeah. And, and what, what would it mean uh, if, if, uh, if, if a community gets this? What, 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 would that, what would that look like if Amazon came to someplace like Detroit? Well, that is the ultimate question, and um, no, the, the, the bottom line is no one knows the exact answer to that question because the range of jobs that could be created over a long period of time is so highly flexible. You know, we keep hearing this um, really high number of 50,000 jobs over 10 to 15 years going to one company. Uh, quite frankly, that's never happened before in American history at any company. No company has ever created that many jobs that quickly in one location at a, at a headquarters. Mm-hmm. So it would be totally unprecedented. You know, the reality is Amazon itself doesn't know what the world of retail and e-commerce is going to look like 10 to 15 years from now. Uh, so uh, this is a, um, it is a huge bet. Um, and, and quite frankly, no one knows what the exact, exact outcome is going to be. If now, if they do hit that upper number, then yes, the, the payback will be huge, but it will only be huge if the winning community does not overpay for the project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the negatives, the potential negatives of something like this are something that uh, I don't know that a lot of people are discussing, but 
but they're out there, right? I mean, there are things about this that that we may not like if uh, if we were to get Amazon to come to our city. Well, well, absolutely, and and you know, a lot of people immediately turn to the incentives when they talk about negatives. But beyond that, you know, there's the whole disruption to the local and regional economy. Um, Amazon has made its entire fortune by being a disruptor of the status quo, and it would certainly be hugely disruptive to the underlying fundamentals of the entire region-wide economy. For example, every company that is not Amazon would immediately see upward wage pressure. Uh Uh, And I've got to believe that the employers and HR directors at those firms aren't going to be really happy about that. We've actually already seen this happen when a brand-new Amazon e-commerce fulfillment center comes into a community. Immediately, all of the other logistics operations uh, within a certain radius of that new Amazon center, they they see their wages uh, skyrocket. And and culturally, uh, there there there's a sort of shock to the culture, I would imagine, from something this big plopping down in the middle of a community. Well, absolutely. I mean, if if you're talking about something on the scale of Seattle, and the reality is they have largely outgrown Seattle, um, you, you know, then then you're talking about really the the possibility of transforming a city into a company town and you know we we've kind of you know stopped talking about company towns because we've seen the the boom and bust uh, uh reality of that oftentimes and and so and yet this is kind of a throwback to what happened a hundred years ago around the country with an attempt to recreate a new company town. So yes, culturally, um, it would be highly disruptive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Robin Boyle, professor of urban planning at Wayne State University, and Ron Starner, who's executive vice president of Conway and a writer for Site Selection Magazine. We're talking about the rush to get Amazon's second headquarters, uh, a rush that has gotten lots of cities around the, the country very excited about the possibility, including our city right here in Detroit, making a very, very fervent bid uh, with Dan Gilbert at the helm. What do you think about the idea of trying to get Amazon to come here to Detroit? What do you think about the whole idea of a kind of sweepstakes uh, for a company to run and make cities sort of jump through hoops to try to convince them uh, to come there at this scale, something we haven't really seen before? What does it say about uh, retail? What does it say about economics? What does it say about geography right now in the United States? If you want to uh, join the conversation, give us a call, 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Mike on Facebook says the winner will have to give away the farm to get Amazon's headquarters, not worth it. Uh, We have another Facebook comment here from Joe. It's based on competition and who provides the best business atmosphere. Some callers seem to be hinting at spreading opportunities without the competition involved. They must not have had to interview for their job or expand personal experience, skills, and knowledge. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. Let's go to Nadine on the east side. Nadine, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Yes. Uh, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but um, the shipping of these goods that come from all over the country are done by uh, FedEx, and I do believe FedEx is inverted with a foreign company and therefore doesn't pay any taxes or contribute to the um, infrastructure of this state. Or yeah, well. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's true. Uh, I know that FedEx is is headquartered in Memphis and. Uh, and, and in fact, is a huge corporate citizen in in Memphis, and not only just in the city, but but that airport. I don't know if you've ever had to fly through the Memphis airport, but there's a whole there's a whole runway. I think they have two or three runways now that are dedicated just to FedEx traffic, and FedEx, of course, helped help pay for those and things like that. But I I think your point about uh, the relationship between Amazon and companies like FedEx is 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 very important and and one of the things that we probably should be paying attention to. Robin Boyle. Yeah, I I, I think the caller has a point and and it's something that I'd like to pick up on. There's something which is almost um, wrong about this whole conversation. You know, we've gone to an economy and a society that is diversified and diffuse, where um, things happen in a different way. And, and, and it's as if we're back in the sort of the 1930s, you know, trying to, to land this great big company that's going to suddenly change a geography. When as, whereas their business model is, is global. Their business model is, is, is working with technology. They are a technology company, using it in order in, to, to, to do something very basic, which mm-hmm. is to take one good from a manufacturer somewhere in Southeast Asia and get it to your doorstep by 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And they're really, really good at that. We all do it. We're all paying our uh, Amazon Prime, aren't we? Um, and now we also get our, our movies and our music through the same system. And here we are talking about, you know, building a, quote, headquarter to and bringing 50,000 people. Could I take the, t- the conversation slightly sure, differently? Sure, sure. One issue I've got, and we're seeing it in other states, is the number. Is this 50,000 people? Uh-huh. A number of states recently have decided that these big numbers... Well, are they real or are they not? And what they're doing is holding companies, their feet to the fire, and basically saying, if you don't deliver 90% of what you promised, we're going to take our incentives back. We get it back, right. Now, are we going to do that in Michigan? Are we going to say to Jeff Bezos, if he comes here, by the way, um, if you don't bring 50,000, if you bring us, let's say, 44,000, we're going to take our money back. We're going to take our marbles and go and play elsewhere. Well, probably not. Yeah, we've had a hard time doing that with companies who locate to Michigan as as, as it is. is. I mean, I've had this argument with the governor about you know giving tax incentives and not not following up and figuring out whether people do what they say they want to and, do. And the, and the trouble is, much as I appreciate the work that the business community have done to bring to potentially bring uh, Amazon here, they're not going to say that because they don't want to be seen as being um, holding up other business organizations uh, to that standard. And I think that's a troubling element of public policy, which is being led by effectively Dan and and, uh, Mr. Gilbert and and his friends in the business community. We We need more of a serious discussion about how we're going to make this happen, if it was to happen. Yeah. Uh, Let's go to Peter in Bloomfield Township. Peter, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Hey. Uh, One question worth considering is, let's just say Amazon does not pick Detroit. Uh, Would other companies see this bending over backwards as an opportunity for them to possibly move in 
in some capacity. Um, if they can see, well, if you can do this for Amazon, what could you do for me? What could, could you do be for a us? way that other companies could take the pulse of these cities who are doing all of this circus act to attract Amazon? Peter, that's a great question. Uh, I appreciate uh, your calling and asking. Ron Starner, uh, talk about the, the I guess, the, the loser benefit, uh, I guess. Is yeah, how um, to, to ironically, it. in this case, the loser might be the winner because <laughs> if, if, if the winning community, so to speak, has to outlay an incentives package in the billions of dollars, which based upon what we're reading and observing in the marketplace, that's probably what it's going to take, then you might actually win by losing. But to, to address the caller's question, I believe Michigan has already done that. If you look at what they did to try to win the Foxconn factory um, earlier this year, Mm -hmm. uh, they passed the Good Jobs for Michigan bill. Uh, Well, that that, that, uh, incentives package could easily be applied to another firm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I guarantee you that the passage of that legislation was significant enough to attract the attention of site selectors and corporate executives um, around the world. So yes, I I think the effort that you put forth to win these projects, while it may not land you the deal you're seeking right up front, it can pay dividends down the road. Yeah. Okay. Robin Boyle, Professor of Urban Planning at Wayne State. Ron Starner, Executive Vice President of Conway and writer for Site Selection Magazine. Thank you both for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you. Yeah. Up next, we're going to talk about how state legislatures work to lure big companies like Amazon. Rick Pluta of the Capital, uh, the Michigan Public Radio Network, will be here to talk about what's going on in Lansing. Stay with us on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking this hour about Amazon and the sweepstakes that has kicked off among American cities to try to compete to land Amazon's second headquarters, of course, in Detroit. We are caught up in that sweepstakes, have asked Dan Gilbert of Quicken Loans to head up the effort to make the pitch to Amazon that Southeast Michigan is the place they want to be. What does this look like uh, at the local level in terms of state government? Joining us now to help us sort through that is Rick Pluta, the Capitol Bureau Chief of the Michigan Public Radio Network. Rick, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello, Stephen. Yeah. Let's sort. Let's sort. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so w- w- how are the tax incentives uh, to lure businesses like this Put together in our in our legislature, and are there specific things that are going to be done for something like like Amazon? We we saw Foxconn uh, move uh, lawmakers to incredible speed and and urgency with regard to its bid. Could Amazon do the same thing? 
Well, well, Governor Snyder has said, um, you know, don't expect that uh, we're going to go back to that well, that you're going to have to work with the incentives that we have. But we've seen that sort of the philosophy on, on this and the planning on this is situational. So, you know, let's step into the Wayback Machine and go back seven years to when Rick Snyder was elected. And that was seen as a victory for economic gardening That's as right. opposed to economic hunting. And mm -hmm. the idea is, you know, Roger was just talking about, you know, the, 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 the re-emerging prospect of the company town. And one of the benefits of gardening was that you don't go for the big wins. What you do is you create an environment where you get a lot of small wins that add up over time. And then we saw, and, and not just Foxconn, I mean, go back a few months before that, and when over in Grand Rapids, when um, they were looking at the possibility of uh, winning Switch, um, which is a, is a server farm. And the interesting thing is these server farms actually don't create that many jobs, yet for whatever reasons, this was seen as a uh, must-win for West Michigan. And so they went to work getting some incentives to lure Switch to Grand Grand Rapids. Then when Foxconn, again, a big win, um, came about, the legislature created uh, the Good Jobs for Michigan package to uh, try and win that. So I, I think if, if Michigan becomes a you know, a, a finalist to win Amazon that we can't rule out the uh, possibility of the legislature trying to pass more incentives. Yeah. Um, what is the what's the talk in Lansing about the effort that's being made here? I often wonder if the if uh, if lawmakers, if the governor are watching what's happening here and either either cheering it on or saying, well, I don't know, is this such a great idea to to, to do something like this? What, what have they you said know, anything I, about know. it? <laughs> it's um it, it, it seems like there might be some reasons to be careful what you wish for, but uh, no, it's everyone is watching this very, very closely in Lansing over at the Michigan Economic Development Corporation in the governor's office, and Amazon is just considered a project too big not to go for. Yeah. And so everyone's kind of gotten behind both Grand Rapids has made a bid and Southeast Michigan uh, has made a bid, you know, um, anchored in Detroit, but really, you know, going to the whole region, I, I think it extends all the way out to Genesee County, the uh, proposal that uh, that they've offered uh, Amazon. And uh, no, every, everyone is sort of excited at the uh, at the prospect of maybe even being a finalist for this. Yeah. Although it's, um, you know, and again, culturally, this goes back to Michigan trying to win auto assembly plants. Remember when those were the big yes. win in yes. terms of, of economic development? Mm -hmm. And I'm remembering in like the mid aughts, uh, GM was going to open a facility and a lot of, you know, states in, in the Midwest were trying for it. And I remember Wisconsin Governor Jim Doyle was talking about this vis-a-vis -vis the um, Amazon competition. And he said, you know what, we, we, we passed a whole bunch of incentives that we, we really, really tried to win General Motors and didn't really understand until after the fact that... Michigan was always going to be where GM was going to locate its factory. It had right. closed facilities there. It had the idled workforce that they could call back. That there was just never any chance that it was going to land in Wisconsin. So all we were were patsies to help General Motors sort of up the ante in terms of winning incentives from Michigan. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a very odd game that you get caught mm -hmm. up 
playing with these companies. Uh, before before we end the show, I want to change the subject just a little bit mm-hmm. and get uh, you to explain something to me. Governor Snyder has said he will not sign a bill to eliminate the really, really awful driver responsibility fee. This is something that uh, has come together around bipartisan yeah. Uh, lines in Lansing. Uh, there are a lot of people who've been in my ear about how great an idea this is. It's it's something that really punishes people, I think, unfairly. Uh, what's the governor's hang up here? Well, first of all, a small technical correction that 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 the governor has not said he would not sign it. He he, he typically this governor, like governors before them, you know, I won't predict, don't go out right? that far. He says that, <laughs> but he has said that his treasury department has said they don't support it because it'll cost in the short term. Even though these are in the process of being phased out, it'll cost the state about seventy or eighty million dollars that it needs right now to uh, balance the budget, and they're in the process of bargaining about that. Uh, the state senate is actually voting on the same um, package to accelerate the phase-out of these fees and to forgive people who um, owe these fees, um, you, know, what they, uh, you know, what they owe. And it's got wide bipartisan support. Yes, um, the governor's Treasury Department has said that they are not on board because of the uh, costs involved. But I think the question is, how patient is the legislature going to be in bargaining this issue with the governor? I was just talking yesterday with the House Speaker about it and the budget concerns, and he says that the budget concerns to him are secondary to the fairness concerns and the fact that we've got a lot of people who don't, who can't drive legally, and right. if they can't drive legally, that affects their capacity to get a job. And he thinks that that um, that 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 concern trumps the. Uh, the budget concerns. So how patient will the legislature be in bargaining this with the governor? And at some point, will they just send it to his desk to do whatever? Yeah. Well, part of the the problem, though, is that this is a legislature where the word revenue uh, is anathema and (laughs) and cause for all kinds of uh, threats of political Mm -hmm. retaliation and things like this. And here, you wouldn't be talking about, uh, you know, revenue for the sake of revenue. You're talking about revenue to make up for a created shortfall. I mean, I right. think to some extent it just speaks to how irrational the discussion in the legislature has become around this idea of how you raise money for government services. Well, that 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 there's not that linkage. You you, you don't hear the discussion of that linkage. It's mm-hmm. just well, we'll have to find ways to cut mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and that's that that ain't the way Rick Snyder rolls. You know, he's a CPA. It's like, no, I, I need to see where you're going to do that first. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Rick Pluta, Capitol Bureau Chief of the Michigan Public Radio Network, as always. Thanks for joining us on Detroit today. As always, it's a pleasure. Yes. All right. That'll do it for me today. I will be back tomorrow. Hope you will, too. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber Davis and Jake Neer. Our program director is Joan Isabella. The technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Our associate producer is Gus Navarro. And the Detroit Today theme song was composed by WDET's Sam Bobian. Remember, if you miss the live broadcast of Detroit Today, you don't have to miss out on the conversation. You can always go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. You download and subscribe to Detroit Today. You can take us with you and listen when you are ready. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. I'll see you tomorrow.